welcome to Koshian Cast, where we only like about half of what we watch here anyway. Uh, my name is Matt, and joining me today is a very special guest. No one, actually, because uh, Matt's actually still out on his honeymoon right now. Uh, so, as per usual, uh, we are covering uh, week four of the spring season, uh, covering all sports anime from April 23rd to April 29th. Uh, no particular announcements this week. Uh, again, I will be handling this episode on my own. So, if y'all don't mind, I am going to just jump right into Yawamushi Pedal. Okay, so this week is the beginning of the inter-high. We have the teams arriving at their, at, uh, Utsunomiya, uh, which is where it starts and it goes, it has a giant course, of course, and... For some reason, uh, Miki's friend uh, Aya is there because she's bored. And then uh, when they get there, uh, Sohoku is very disappointed to find out that Hakone is still getting all the attention from them. And uh, apparently Sohoku also has uh, the single digit tags because, you know, they won the previous year. So that means they get to ha they get to start the race. Uh we also see Naruko go to visit Mitosuji to basically just tell him that they're going to race again. Sure. And then there's one more major interaction between Kaburagi and one of Hakone's members, uh, Dobashi, who is their second fastest racer. And he basically calls into question Kaburagi's uh, faith in his team because he doesn't actually know if Onoda is truly strong. Uh, and that's pretty much the episode uh we also see the opening season uh ceremony uh where they basically where sohoku goes ahead and just kind of introduces himself and kaburagi is somewhat beside himself because he's so shaken up from his meeting with dobashi so uh this episode sucked okay that's a little harsh it wasn't like terrible at the same time i'm struggling really to think of things i liked about it uh i think one of the big issues with this episode is that it's uh, trying to establish tension where there doesn't really need to be any. I, I don't mind that Kaburagi is having doubts in Sohoku, uh, because, you know, he even mentions, uh, like, wow, I basically gave up my life for like to join this team that I really don't have much of a, uh, uh, you know, much of a connection for it with. You know, I don't know. It's like, I don't know how strong they truly are. But the problem is that he does. That was the entire point of the prelim tournament, was the or the prelim match, where he kind of gets overconfident, and so Hoku has to sweep, uh, like, the rest of the team has to come in and kind of help him out and kind of get his bearings back. Like, this isn't character development that we need for Kaburagi, because this is something that should have already taken place. I, I would have liked this interaction between Dobashi and and Kaburagi, where, you know, uh, Dobashi actually manages to get into his head a little bit, you know, cause him the question, like, hey, like, what am I really doing here with this team? But this should have happened before the prelims. You know, I could have seen a situation where uh, Kaburagi, you know, thinks to himself, like, okay, like, if they, like, if I can't trust this team, you know, I'm going to race ahead of my own. And that's, you know, where he kind of has this big uh, collapse in the middle of the race, and, you know, everybody comes and saves him, and, you know, they make up, like, all the time that they lost and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, y'all saw the episode, I assume. Uh, but this is all happening, like, just before the inner high. And it's like, again, 
we have this whole thing where Kaburagi is doubting the nature of the team. And I, I just don't see what the point of this is. Again, you could have had, like, he's not really making much of a case for himself for why he should have been on this team. Uh, Koga, like, again, Koga probably should have been their sixth member because, you know, he's supposed to be this magnificent genius of stamina, the stamina simpleton, but again, he's being subbed out for this first year who doesn't really seem to know what he's doing and have any sort of connection to the rest of the team. Koga, at the very least, uh, ha like, seems to believe in the strength of all of the members there. So, I just don't understand what the point of having Kaburagi even is. I also don't understand why we have to have this big deal about Hakone being, like, the... Being the, uh... Like, having this whole situation where they're overshadowing Sohoku because, you know, they arrive. They arrive in their big giant bus and, you know, they're kind of lording over Sohoku and everybody is paying attention. All the journalists are freaking out. All the fangirls are, like, squeeing over the presence of Hakone. And nobody cares about Sohoku. And it doesn't make any sense. Like, does n literally nobody care about the returning champions? Like... At the opening ceremony, we see, you know, more people who are getting more into it. But, you know, again, they're, it's the opening ceremony. Like, any, anybody you throw there is going to be freaking out about it regardless. People should be paying more attention to Sohoku. Yes, I understand that they don't have their star members anymore. But they still have the guy who won the, st <clears throat> who won the entire race for them in the first place with Anoda. Like, Surely some people have got to be paying attention to them. I don't mind the fact that Hakone is still more popular because, you know, they are still kind of... They still kind of have that, you know, kingly presence almost. But it doesn't mean anything when they lost last year. I don't know. It just... It doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, I digress. There's also this whole situation with Naruko and Midosuji. Uh, and really the only thing that you gain from that... And it this takes up, like, a good chunk of the episode. Like, a good five minutes of the episode. And really, the only thing you gain from that is that Naruko states to Mito Suji, Hey, we're gonna race again. So, be prepared for that. And Mito Suji is like, okay, cool. And I'm just, I'm trying to figure out, what was the point of any part of that episode? Or, or at least, any part of that section like, we don't gain any sort of new insight about what Naruko's doing. Like, yeah, he brags to him that he's an all-rounder now and not a sprinter, but... Again, we knew that that's what he was doing in the first place. And, you know, I hate to say it, but frankly, like, even if you would... Like, they didn't even try and, like, build up some sort of new technique that Naruko has. And, like, maybe that's what you could have done with that scene, but at the same time, it's like... this. The techniques in this really aren't that interesting because, again, you're just pedaling harder. And I'm not disparaging, you know, the sport of cycling. I realize that there is more to it, but really when it comes down to it, you don't really have, like, secret techniques in cycling. It's it's a very repetitive task. You know, you're just, you're constantly moving forward. You're constantly pushing yourself forward. And it just, it doesn't really do much for me. Uh... Then there's the, uh, the beginning of the episode also, I kind of left this out of the summary, with Sugimoto kind of trying to rally all the other first years in the bus who are going with them. Like, hey, like, 
just keep in mind, you know, we're we are the secret seventh member of this team. I mean, yeah, sure. I, I guess they're trying to build up Sugimoto as becoming more of a leader type character, I guess. Maybe that will have something to do with the inter high, but uh, I, I don't know. It doesn't really work for me very well just because, uh, well, we've, we've already seen what happens at the inner high. Like, Teshima and Aoyagi were their backups during that race, and they didn't really do much of anything outside of occasionally support them uh, with, or like, just kind of like observe the race and comment on it. They basically served as a as a liaison between, you know, the actual technique of what's going on and, you know, the viewer who probably doesn't understand anything. You know, they're just there to kind of explain what's actually going on. That was really the purpose of their care, the, of the backup characters the prior season, and I just don't really see this show doing anything more to change that. Um, and, you know, speaking of not changing things, I think that was really my big problem with the whole setup with Hakone, uh, still being, like, the returning god kings of cycling. Like, it feels like the series is just trying to retread old ground. It doesn't really know how to deal with this new dynamic where, you know, the characters who are supposed to be the underdogs are now, you know, they're the returning champions. You know, they're the major force in the cycling, in the cycling world now. And now that the now the original rivals have to come back, you know, they're no longer, like, the dominant force. You know, now they're the competitor. They're the rival now. Or rather, they're the, uh... They're the ones who are trying to actually get back their glory. And, like... It feels like because they couldn't figure... The original author couldn't figure out a way to make this more interesting... I kind of feel like he's just going back to old ground. He's not really justifying any part of this like he's not really going through the motion to like build up any of this conflict here um or not even so much build up the conflict but he's just rehashing the same thing over and over again we still have anoda who's there to return the bottle to manami uh we still have hakone still being you know like sohoko still being completely overshadowed by the presence of hakone and just it doesn't makes sense with, like, the context of what's happened before. And, I don't know, it, it's just, it's really not working out for me. Maybe it's working out for other people, I don't know, I actually haven't really seen how popular it's been this season, but my general impression has that, has been that people are kind of, just like, eh, it's another season of Yawapeta, and it's a shame, because I really didn't want it to be just another season of it. Uh, but anyway, I still prefer Yawamushi Petal over the next show I'll be covering, which is Tiger Mask. <sighs> okay, so this episode of Tiger Mask is entirely about the 5-on-5 five -five match uh, at the Max Dome. Uh, we get a little bit of set out before with Naoto still training with Takaoka at the old gym uh, on Mount Fuji, apparently. Uh, but it doesn't last for long because... Uh, Tiger Mask, or Naoto, decides to take his training back to the Max Dome, where GWM is letting him use their facilities. Uh, while he's there, Kevin tries to kill him in the decompression chamber by taking out all of his oxygen. Because Kevin's apparently a psycho now. Uh, we get a couple of scenes with Rory handling Takuma's rehabilitation, uh, which don't really go amount to much of anything outside of uh, her kind of keeping Takuma in check by not overdoing it, which I guess is nice. 
there's this whole small scene with Naoto trying, like, kind of getting cold feet and calling Yuri. He tries to, Ruri, uh, he tries to call her. He immediately hangs up, but then she tries to call him back. And he's very dismayed to find out that she's trying to help somebody rehabilitate himself because, you know, that's really what she wants to do. Uh, anyway, and then it's actually the five-on-five -five match with the Miracles plus Tiger Mask and the, uh, the wrestlers at NG, uh, the the hero rival the hero wrestling match I can't always say all the letters but you know what I'm talking about uh, anyway so in this first match we have uh, it's versus Miracle One and one of the N double NWJP wrestlers uh, who goes up against yeah he's going up against them uh, he's about to lose until Tiger Mask up entirely of his own volition jumps in and saves Miracle One. Sure, like, Tiger Mask is no... Uh, sorry, I'll get into the my complaints later, because there are a lot. Uh, anyway, so during some of these matches, uh, what happens is uh, Tiger Mask... Like, uh, one of the New Japan Pro Wrestling ch uh, challengers manages to beat one of the Miracles, and then immediately afterwards goes towards Tiger Mask and tries to knock him off the rope because this is a rope match and all of the uh, the standbys have to be standing on the rope and if they fall out of the ring, they lose. Uh, he tries to knock Tiger Mask off the rope. Uh, Tiger Mask manages to defend himself and uh, one of the Miracles knocks both of them off and Tiger Mask is shocked to discover that he was just being used as a sacrificial pawn. Anyway, out of nowhere, Tiger the Third shows up and starts murdering people in the ring of the New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, people. And then just an all-out brawl starts in the ring. Uh, they try and call the match, but that doesn't really work. Uh, and then Tiger Mask decides to betray GWM at this point to, you know, naturally attack Tiger the Great, and Tiger the Great knocks him away like a fly. That's kind of where the episode ends. So this series is terrible. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, no, it's terrible. I'm not taking that back. I... I legitimately hate Naoto. Like, I honestly think out of all the shows that we've ever covered on Koshian Cast, I think Naoto might be the worst hero. Not It's not necessarily the worst series we've ever covered, because we've pl covered plenty of stuff that's worse than Tiger Mask. Outside of Sukamoto from Days, he is probably the worst hero I think I've seen. The problem with Naoto, like, we're trying to get delve into his big descent into darkness. You know, he only cares about his revenge against uh, Tiger the Great, right? But that doesn't make any... It's not so much that it doesn't make any sense. It's that Naoto never really had anything to establish him anything more than just kind of a... Nor just a little... Just a dork, basically. You know, he doesn't know how to talk to Rory... Uh, he doesn't really have much of a personality outside of being Tiger Mask. And Tiger Mask himself, you know, by Naoto's own admission, is really less of a person and more just a symbol of what's good. And, you know, I feel like in order to make this sort of descent in the darkness work is if you try and build up Naoto himself as being somebody who generally wants to uphold the values of Tiger Mask. But he... But, you know, he kind of gets caught up in his own desire for revenge. You know, I think that there's a legitimately interesting story to be found there, but the problem, you know, I was complaining last episode about Takuma being, like, you know, they should have just been doing all of this to Takuma. I kind of come around on that a little bit. I don't really mind the fact that Takuma is the one who should have been doing this. 
Takamaru shouldn't have been a character. Like, if this is the story they wanted to tell, I think they legitimately could have done that. You just take out the scenes with Takuma, and you start building up the... And then you start building up Naoto's character more. You, you use up all that time that you use to build up Takuma, and you build up Naoto as being, you know, this, this decent guy. You know, he really just wants to do what's right. And he doesn't... But, you know, he just sort of keeps getting obsessed with this revenge against this guy who beat his master, you know, before he finally falls to the dark side. But we don't get that from Naoto. He's just sort of this loser who, like, who dons the tiger mask and just kind of fights against guys. He doesn't really have much of a character. And now, but now we're supposed to be sort of disheartened by this fall he's had. It's like, I don't care about his revenge. I've never cared about his revenge. It, like, from when we started... His revenge was honestly the last thing on my mind. Yes, I understand that was kind of the driving force of the plot early. Like, throughout the series, you know, the whole thing was that, you know, he kept fighting all the wrestlers that GWM threw at him until he could finally get that match against Tiger the Third. But that wasn't really, like, why you were watching the series before. You kind of do it to, you know, the entire reason to watch Tiger Mask is, you know, see these kind of weird, over-the-top, colorful characters. You know, you see Tiger Mask, you know, they may, you know comically over-the-top evil. Tiger Mask is effectively a superhero that brings them down. Fine. That's the structure. But then it's, like, completely going against that. It's, like, it's like transitioning immediately from, like, Silver Age comics into, like, 80s dark comics. Like, when, like, Batman started just randomly killing people all of a sudden. I... Don't quote me on that. I am not an expert on comics. I... General point. I'm trying to make here about the sort of dark descent we're try we're suddenly getting here. And it just, it doesn't work because of that. Also, but what really, really irritates me about Naoto is the fact that he seems genuinely shocked at the fact that mir that um, that the miracles would actually betray him. Like, are you shocked about this? How can this be something, is like, is this gonna be, is this actually the moment where you start to realize, oh no, like, I've, is like, is this who I'm getting involved with? People who don't, like, work together? You beat up one of your former teammates with a chair. Needlessly, Tiger Mask. You're just the most selfish character I think I've ever seen. Maybe not ever seen, okay? But he's just... It's, like, the fact that this is the moment when somebody wrongs him and this is the moment that gets him to realize, oh, man, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing with uh, GWM? Like... Is this really what it took? Was, like, such a selfish reason? And it just... And it makes me so annoyed with the character. Like, this isn't some... This doesn't make you sympathetic. This makes you... This makes you just sort of a jerk. I don't know. Uh, one other thing I would want to... I wanted to touch on on this episode was how Rory is is working with uh, Takuma now. And, uh, I don't know. Again, doesn't really do much for me. Uh, I, 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 like, I, I guess the whole point of this is that it's supposed to build up Tiger Mask's jealousy even more. You know, he's kind of, or Naoto's jealousy even more. You know, now, you know, she's not only paying attention to him, you know. She has to go take care of her other patience but and you know maybe slightly starting to start up something between takuma and rory but 
again, this just makes all of Naoto's re reasons for wanting to go back completely selfish. Like, this isn't something he's he's needed to do. Like, the like you needed to establish Ruri and Tiger Mask's relationship more than just having him go on a date or two and then have that be it. Like, it's not really disheartening for me to see Ruri go out, like, kind of dump Naoto. It's like, yeah, they were barely close to begin with. Uh, oh, one final thing I wanted to cover as well is just, apparently Kevin has decided he wants to murder Tiger Mask? Like, okay, I know he wants his revenge for taking down Takuma, but this has gone beyond just sheer anger and gone full-blown psychotic, because Tiger Mask is in the decompression chamber and he just turns off the air there. And it's like, okay, Kevin, you are one of the miracles. Do you legitimately not care about your future wrestling care uh your future wrestling career at GWM? So like do you care so little about it that you're even willing to try and kill Tiger Mask over this? Like, he is your partner for your next match. Like, I I don't understand your end goal. Like, did you care that much about Takuma? I understand him being your friend, but you're really trying to kill for his sake? For something that he even admits was his fault? Just, ugh. I really, really hate Tiger Mask right now. Again, it is not the worst show that we have ever covered here, but it's getting pretty bad like i can go I, I can have fun with tiger mask every now and then but this is just taking it to a place i don't want to see it go it like it's like they suddenly decided that they wanted to ha like tell like a real story to it you know this whole like this whole story of redemption and it's like it, it's a saturday morning cartoon like what's wrong with just having like a dumb here like a silly like over-the-top hero take down silly over-the-top villains like i don't know anyway i digress I, I think i'm just gonna jump right into big wind up on my own here dude matt what are you talking about i've been here the whole time you just won't shut up what <laughs> just oh my gosh uh everybody i guess i have a very special guest this week matt yeah it's me from the past <laughs> um, well, um, welcome. Uh, so, if you wouldn't mind, uh, would you please jump into Big Windup? Yeah, it's my pleasure. Uh, so, the the episode is essentially just a continuation. You know, we, we go back into the early part of the game against Mihoshi. Um, at first, you... Basically, you're trying to, to figure out what kind of approach the different pitchers are going to have. Um, and so Mahashi is trying to trick his opponents, you know, by relying on Abe's signals. And he ends up facing Oda, who is this tall, towering, um, out-of-town player who Mahoshi recruited from, I think, Osaka, but they haven't said it specifically. Uh, who is trying to figure out what's so unique about Mahashi's pitches, and he ends up volunteering just to let himself get struck out because he wants to learn more about exactly what Mahashi's doing. Um, Tajima is able to um, take... Uh, he's able to take a couple pitches from Kano, but then uh, muscle a fork ball into the outfield. 
and get on base, but no one else is able to move him along, and they're not able to do anything against Kano's pitching. Um, so ultimately, the the two teams are sort of at a stalemate because uh, right now Mahashi and Kano are both pitching well enough that neither side has figured out how to put together any runs. Um, there's a uh, significant conflict later in the episode when Oda says that he just he doesn't really care about getting struck out. He just wanted to learn. And Kano reveals that he's legitimately worried about being bested by uh, Mihashi and unable to prove that he can stand on his own instead of feeling trapped in Mihashi's shadow. Um, and that's pretty much where the episode ends. They've gotten through two innings on either side, and even though Mihashi's feeling really great, he realizes that he has a lot more game to play. Right. So, this episode was pretty good at establishing the difference between the two teams about how uh, both team Like, Mahoshi is is a team that just sort of relies, in like, on instinctive talent. Like, you know, they go around and recruit other players from, like, other regions. Uh, but, you know, they don't really come together as a whole, mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, they're all kind of... The classic uh, whereas, team of individuals. Yes, exactly. It's it's the common conflict that we see uh, throughout uh, pretty much every sports anime. The, the team of individuals versus the team as a group. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's nice about this one, again, it's it's subtle because it, it doesn't really beat you over the head with that message. No. It, it does it in small ways, like the fact that Oda doesn't really care about the fact that he was even struck out. Like, Kano even throws at him like, look man, I've seen what this guy can do. Nobody else on this team even understands Mm -hmm. like what this guy is doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I thought that was a really nice moment to kind of have that sort of, like, to have that acknowledgement that there was at least somebody who understood that, like, Mihashi actually did kind of know what he was doing, but nobody would actually, like, accept that from him. Everybody just wanted to blame nepotism for their losses rather than actually taking responsibility for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought that was interesting, too, that Kano's like, dude, nobody believes that. That's just, you know, um, who is it? Hatake, yeah, who Hatake. was still incredulous uh, about Mihashi's performance, um, but... On some level, everyone knew that Mahashi had something. He had he had something else going on. It wasn't he wasn't starting every game because he was terrible, you know. Right, like that. Like maybe nepotism is what maybe got him there in the first place. But he always had that little talent that, at the very least, whoever their coach was probably saw in him. But the rest of the team was never able to pull it together. Yeah, they just sort of resented things enough. That, right. It it, yeah. it it again. It's one of those great things about uh, the series that uh, it, it kind of acknowledges that these are high school students. You know, they don't really want to see that they that the issue with their team was not like like it comes off like these are a bunch of punk kids who want to blame like the stupid adults for their problems. Mm. Essentially, mm-hmm. like oh, you know, we would be we would have been great if it, if. Uh, Mihashi's grandpa just didn't make him be the pitcher. Yeah. Like, rather than, like, realizing, no, this guy actually knows what he's doing. You guys just aren't talented enough to understand. Or it's like, maybe not talented enough, but you guys are too stubborn to actually figure out how to work with him. Right. Uh, there was a couple of terms I wanted to go over for uh, 
couple of baseball terms from this episode. Um, the first, oh, which has been mentioned a few times before, but I realized we didn't talk about, was cleanup hitter. Right. Do, do, could you, do you know what cleanup hitter means? A cleanup hitter is basically, uh, it's who they get. I think it's when they have, like, he. I think they're, like, fifth in the batting they're order. They're fourth. They're fourth. Basically, they're the ones who are supposed to come in uh, after the first three who uh, bat ba- and uh, get the runs for anybody who made it onto base. Yeah. Yeah. Is that... No, they, yeah, you nailed that... it, yeah. Oh, okay, fantastic. Yeah, it's, yeah. like, the idea is that uh, if the first three batters should be able to get on base, at, le- at least one or two of them should be able to get right. on base, and then the fourth batter is your strongest batter, and he will clean up. Meaning he will clean the bases and get everybody home, right? Um, and so that's just a very you know traditional term that when you're batting fourth, you're batting cleanup. Even though in modern baseball, that's not necessarily the best strategy. Um, right. A lot of times now they focus more on like putting the best the best hitters even higher in the order than fourth um, because they get more opportunities to bat. Uh, right. So, like, if you put the the strongest hitter first, then he's going to have that many more opportunities to bat during the game. So, you, ultimately, you decide that that's more worthwhile than putting them behind some weaker batters to get them home. So, again, that okay. that's a debate that's ex- occurring in baseball right now about exactly what you're supposed to do with the cleanup hitter. Right. Um, I, I thought that was interesting in this episode as well, is that they kind of highlighted that with Tajima that look just because he's our best batter uh you know he's not gonna be able to get those home runs every single time because you know he's got a pretty small frame so Mm -hmm. it it kind of goes back to the whole establishing the whole do does it work better as a group rather than the individual and that's the whole deal with Tajima is that look this guy is great but he can't do anything really without you guys he can get on base sure but he's not going to be able to like get any runs because he's not going to be knocking them out of the park yeah and so that was interesting too because uh they described tajima also bats cleanup but momoe described him as a non-traditional cleanup hitter meaning you know he's not like oda he's not huge he's not particularly powerful but what she did call him was a high on base percentage cleanup hitter um which is a pretty self-explanatory term but on base percentage just means that of the number of times that you step up to the plate, what percentage of times do you end up getting at least to first base? Right. So that can be hits, but that can also be taking a walk or getting a hit by pitch or basically just any other way of getting on to the bases. Um, so even though he doesn't have a ton of power, he does find his way onto the bases a lot. Right. He, he's a very skilled at actually hitting the ball. Well, yeah. Uh yeah, it's it's not even just hitting though. That's what I'm saying is that like he's he can see the strike zone so well that he's good at coercing pitchers into for, to giving him walks too. Right. Fair enough. But uh, one final thing I want, unless you had more no, go terminology. Ahead. Go ahead. Okay. One final thing I wanted to bring up as well was the conflict about uh, between Hanai and uh, Tajima. Oh yeah. Which was that. Uh, we kind of, again, kind of plays back into the whole fact that these are a bunch of high school students, you know. Hanai kind of gets lost in his own selfishness there because 
his whole thing is that he's trying to exactly replicate what Tajima did because Tajima, uh, basically what Tajima did was he did a big, uh, he had a big showy at bat. He, he basically forced uh, Kano into using his specialty forkball just so that he couldn't hit it, just so he could prove that he could do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hanai basically tries to do that and he fails. Well, yeah, that they I don't mean, get a run. It's even the exact same sequence because right. what he does, um, Tajima, he takes two strikes on fastballs and then he takes a single ball from a fastball just because he's waiting for that fork ball. And so on the fourth pitch, when it's one and two, he gets the fork ball, he just drops the head of the bat low and he's able to push it into the outfield. <laughs> And, yeah, and Hanai has the exact same patterns. Two strikes, one ball, and then he's looking for the fork ball, and he gets it, but he still misses. Right, um, exactly. And so there, there is this follow-up with Momoe. She's not, like, mad at him, but she just says, like, oh, you were you were trying to get that fork ball, weren't you? Just trying to be just like Tajima. And he's like, well, yeah, and he's like, I thought I could do it, you know? Um, right. So she recognizes, like, it's, it's, it's okay to want to... Um, to want to replicate people who can do certain things, it's it's okay if you think you can pull it off, you know that. So not not like criticizing him necessarily, right? Uh, so it's like it's basically like, look, it's good that you're tr- that if you want to do something that to, you can do to improve yourself, but please keep in mind, you know, this did cost us the run because Tajima cannot get on like. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be getting those runs himself, so you, we can't just lean on Tajima. Right. So, but at, at the same that, time, uh, Momoi also knows Hanai well enough to know that what what motivates him is by challenging him to rise to a certain level. So right. instead of just saying, don't do that again, you know, like, how dare you do that without asking or something like that. No, she doesn't do that. She says, next time make sure you hit the fork ball like next time figure out a way to make it work so like i know you want to match tajima and that's fine and i'm gonna validate that desire um but you have to figure out a way to pull it off and now 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 the ball's in your corner yeah exactly and it's good and it's great that she's able to kind of treat them all as individuals on the team Mm mm-hmm uh, there's kind of this recognition because she does kind of have to play teacher to them just a little bit. Yeah. So anyway, with that all in mind, uh, would you mind moving on to encouragement of climb? I I would not mind. Why don't Why don't you tell me how those episodes went? I mean, you saw them too, but yeah. Uh... <laughs> but I want you to. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so episode ten, they are descending the mountain. And they cross a river. Uh, Aoi kind of has to lead Kakona across because she still has her broken shoe. And so she kind of has to take a lead role for her. Unfortunately, Aoi isn't very good at this either. So, or yeah, Aoi does. But Hinata ends up having to come back and kind of help them both out. They make it back to the uh, back to the Nature Center, which is where their bus stop is. They exchange information with Kakona and promise to see each other again. Next episode, Aoi does just that. She has a sleepover with Kakona, and they have a lovely time making French toast um, and other sweets, whereas Hinata states that uh, is actually hanging out with Kaede. And uh, they end up getting ingredients for the next day because they're going on a trip to a riverside. Uh, and then the final episode of the season, this uh, episode 12... 
they make it to the riverside and they have a lovely time setting up camp, making food from ingredients that Hinata had just sort of picked out at random. They end up making like a delicious tomato risotto. And uh, she also grabs a water gun and starts spraying Aoi with it and they get into a water gun fight. And that's kind of the end of the season. They kind of leave off with this sort of uh, inkling for what they're going to do next season, which is climb a mountaintop so that they can see the Milky Way. Mm -hmm. Because they're in the city and there's too much light. Right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, perfectly fine couple episodes. Uh, nothing... Uh, this ep These episodes kind of drove home the fact that hit, uh, Aoi is officially out of her shell now. Yeah. Uh, she, she takes the, the lead with Kakona... For most of the time, because she was the one who actually called Kakona to see if they want, if she wanted to go to the mountainside with them or to the riverside. Yeah, side. and then Kakona was the one who asked if they could do a sleepover. So that was sort of the thing. She she realized right. that you know Kakona was forcing, pulling her even more forward. Yeah, um, um, and but she ended up enjoying like, it. Yeah, and so much so that she even asked. That was kind of the big moment where she was able to ask her, "Hey, can we maybe do this again sometime?" Completely of her own volition. She also kind of got to take a little... I kind of thought uh, Kakona was kind of a, a parallel a little bit to Hinata. Because mm -hmm. uh, Hinata had to end up... Or not to Hinata, to Aoi. Because she ended up having to uh, play the leader a little bit. She had to take a bit more of an initiative with uh, Kakona in order to lead her across the lake. Or the river. The river, yeah. Yeah. Uh, perfectly fine i thought the ending of the season was a little on the nose because they had to have this conversation between kaede and uh kakona talking about how much aoi has changed even though they actually didn't really know her yeah exactly i mean i wasn't totally sure how hinata related to kaede where they were just hanging out on their own Right, like, have those two ever spoken? Like, they they never really had that situation where they really where you mm -hmm. kind of got to see them like get together, right? Um, or how, uh, you know, like they didn't really know Aoi before she was she started to be a little bit more outgoing. Like they're like, oh wow, she's really changed a lot since she met Hinata. You guys didn't know her before she met Hinata. Yeah. Uh, so I, I thought that was a little on the nose. Yeah. Um. Yeah, these episodes kind of lacked uh, mountain climbing, which is ostensibly <laughs> the basis of the show. But. Right. I, I The series seems a little bit uh, poorly, maybe misleadingly named. It should be called Encouragement of Hike. Yeah. That sounds a little bit uh, closer <laughs> to yeah, what it should be. That's true. We'll see just how intense it gets in season two. But so that's season true. two is a 24 episode season. Um, right. So plenty of room to start a. Uh, to have some fully devoted to uh, mountain climbing. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, somehow I'm down it, but... but over, overall, fine. Yeah, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I have, yeah, I have I no negative that's... feelings or resentment I, towards it. Yeah, pretty much. Which is about as much as we can say for this type of show. Yeah, exactly. It's better than it's better than most. In, oh. in, this, in this very, very but... narrow genre. Yeah, in... <laughs> Cool beans. Well, uh, thanks for joining me in there at the uh, end there, Matt. Yeah. I it's do my appreciate pleasure. that. It's my pleasure, okay. and I will see you next week. Cool. Our logo design is by James Ratcliffe. The theme music is Fly High by Burnout Syndromes, covered and performed by Luke Bartka. You can follow Cast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshiancast at gmail.com. 
make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We will be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training.